Amen. Thank you, Kelly and Heather. Good morning. My name is Mike Gary. I'm the pastor here at Communitas Church, and Communitas exists to be a church that builds disciples who love God, who love people, who walk in grace, who grow in their faith, who connect in groups so that we can explore our gifts to generously use those gifts to build disciples here in the Brainerd Lakes area and around the world. So we have worshipped in a number of different ways already this morning. Uh, So we have worshipped through gathering, just the very coming together, being with one another, and, and opening up our lives to each other, using those gifts that we talked about to serve those here. Um, we've also worshipped through singing, singing songs as, as Kelly and Heather have, um, and, and, and let us in that sing about who God is and what He's done, and inform us about how we're supposed to live. And then we've also worshipped through the giving of our tithes and our offerings, what God has entrusted to us uh, that, we, that we steward well. In a little while, we'll, we'll uh, worship through the proclamation of the Word, uh, but for the time being, we're going to worship uh, through the practice of communion. And communion, also known as the Eucharist or the Last Supper, uh, is a meal that is celebrated throughout the world by Christian churches, uh, some every day, some every week, some every month, some a few times throughout the year, but it's, it's distinct within the faith. And so when we partake in this meal, um, and you think, man, meal, like, look at it. Like, it's, you know, a little, like, we don't even have plates. There's no, no even silverware. Like, how, how is this a meal? Uh, this is a snack at best. And we see that, you know, it's, like, it's you know, gluten-free crackers and a little thing of juice. How is this a meal? Well, what's, and, and what's special about it? Well, what's special about it is there is this, this supper called the Passover that was celebrated. And what, and what it was, was it was a meal that was meant to remind the people of Israel who they were and what God had done when He had taken them out of captivity in Egypt. And it wasn't anything that they did. And, uh, and later on in the, in the Scriptures, in, in Deuteronomy 10, um, they would be reminded that, hey, it wasn't because of anything that you did that I took you out of Egypt, and it wasn't because of anything that you did that I've... I've put you into, into the land of, of milk and honey. It isn't anything that you've done that I've blessed you. And God said, it's just out of my character, out of who I am, my sense of justice, that this was a situation that needed to be right, that, that you were dead and you were to be alive. And so these, these people that have spent 400 years working their fingers literally down to the bone had been set free so that they could worship. Not just so that they could go about living their lives, not just so they could go about taking the, the treasures that they brought with them to invest them and to, to live a better life for themselves, but so that they could worship. So that they could see God face to face. And so when we partake of this meal today, we enter into that meal with, with the saints before us, the saints around us, and the saints who will come after us. And, and not just here at A24 Laurel, but with the churches around Brainerd than the churches around the world. And so when we, when we come forward, what we're doing is it's not only saying and, and a reminder to ourselves that, yeah, I'm, I'm walking in this faith. I can't earn it, but it does require some effort. It does require some obedience on my part. And so what this does is this, this both reminds us of that promise and also communicates to those around us this promise so that one they can hold us accountable, and two, so that we might be an encouragement to them. Because I don't know about you, but sometimes it, feel, it can feel a little bit lonely where like, I'm, you know, I feel a little outnumbered at times. But when I'm here, I'm encouraged, and I know that I'm not alone. 
and that there are other people with me in the journey. And so we're going to take a moment of silence. And, and what we do here uh, is we, we take some time in silence to, to, to listen to the Lord. Um, we've sung, I'm going to talk. There's a lot of auditory, you know, throughout our, our weeks, there's a lot of noise, both visual. When you think about all the, the things that we can see on a screen throughout the week, a lot of auditory noise as far as what we see and hear on a, on a TV, uh, at work, whatever else. And so we're going to take some time in silence to practice listening. And we're going to listen to God and, and ask God, what are you, what are you doing? What, you know, and to say, who is God and what is he doing? And then also say, who is Jesus and, and how did Jesus live his life? And as a result, how should I live my life? And then to take some time and to say, who is the Holy Spirit? And what is the Holy Spirit doing in my life? What, and what actions you know, is the Holy Spirit calling me to do or calling me away from? What sin is he convicting me in? And, and what good things is he doing that he's confirming me in? And how can I use those to better convey the gospel in the world around us? And so every week, kids, I'm always super impressed. You do a really good job of hanging in there with us during this. And so I know that it's going to be tough and you're going to want to wiggle and you're going to want to make some noise. But you can ask these questions too of, of who is God and what is he doing in my life? And who is Jesus and how, does, how did he live his life and how should I live my life as a result of that? And who is the Holy Spirit? And what is the Holy Spirit doing in my life? How is the Holy Spirit speaking to me? And so parents, if, uh, if there's some wiggles, if there's some noises, there's no shame in that. We understand that's going to happen. And so other, other people in the, in, in the vicinity of noise-making people, don't look at them weird. We're all in this together. We'll all get through it. So I'll pray and we'll take some time in silence to ask those questions. Then as you're ready, come forward. Grab the elements set out uh, to your left and to your right. Bring them back to your seat and we'll all partake of the meal together. So Father God, we pray, uh, we, we praise you for this space and, the, and these people that we're able to gather here um, and to take this time with you. We all control different amounts of space. You've given us different volumes of space to steward, but we all have this time right here with you. And so Jesus, we, we call to mind what we know of you, what, we've, what we read of you in Scripture, the way that you lived your life, how you served, how you poured out, how you took the great blessings and, and gave them to others. And so Holy Spirit, we pray that you would speak to us in this time to quiet our minds and to still our hearts so that we can focus on you and to hear from you. What sin in our life are you convicting of us of? What are we doing that you can confirm in us? And how can we better, and to whom should we better convey your truth? I pray that in this time, call that to mind, not just as individuals, but as a church, that we would continue to bind together for your purposes and for your glory. Thousands of years later, the, uh, that same Passover meal that we mentioned earlier was still being celebrated in the ancient Near East. And, and Jesus and his disciples had gone down to Jerusalem and they'd gathered together for this Passover meal. And, uh, and as Jesus always does, he took what had been forgotten, what had been kind of come crooked, and he puts it right side up again. 
And he takes this meal, and as they're, as they're eating, he takes the bread, and after he blesses it, he breaks it, and he gives it to them and says, take and eat. This is my body. And as the good meals often do, this one lingered on into the evening. When it was time to take the cup, he took it, and we given thanks. He gave it to them, saying, drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for the forgiveness of sins. Lord, we thank you for this covenant and for your forgiveness. We pray that we would, we would walk in that and we would extend that to others. Amen. Okay, at this time there are some blue buckets that are going to make their way around the room. Feel free to take the uh, small cups and throw those in those blue buckets and we will recycle them for you. Uh, we are continuing our, uh, our cruise through Ephesians. And uh, Mr. Vern Smith is going to come up and read our passage. There will be in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. If you have a paper Bible and want to follow along, it is about seven-eighths of the way through. Uh, so you'll have more pages on the left than you will on the right. It is after, excuse me, once you get a few books past uh, Corinthians and before you get into some of the books that start with the letter T, uh, Ephesians is a few pages right there in between Galatians and Philippians. Uh, if you do not have a paper Bible with you, a mobile device is perfectly acceptable and the words will also be displayed on the screen behind me. So uh, Vern, whenever you are set, you can use that microphone right there. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of work so that no one may boast. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for these words that bring us life. And thank you, Lord, for the way that your words have been preserved throughout the age. We pray that we would take advantage of uh, the many formats that are available to us to know you through these words, whether it's written or auditory, and we pray for the church around the world uh, where this is not the case, and that we would be an advocate for them. Amen. Okay, kids, thanks for hanging out with us this morning. This is the part of the service. Uh, you can head on out toward that door, and Sue and Sandy and Karen and Lonnie all have a great lesson for you planned back there. And so, Lord, we thank you for these kids, and we thank you uh, for these adults who are spending time with these kids, and we pray, Lord, that uh, all of us would disciple, uh, that would disciple these, these young believers, that we would exemplify what it looks like to follow you and to walk in your grace. Amen. So, uh, big week in uh, Major League Baseball this last week, if anybody cares. I know some of you don't, but uh, so it's, I mean, but what's what's big of what's got me fascinated about it is uh, there were two contracts that were signed. One that was worth three hundred and thirty million dollars. Another one that was worth two four hundred and twenty six million dollars. I think we've got a slide to kind of show some of these numbers. And uh, so twelve year contract for that's that's. That's a big number and then more zeros. I'm not great at math. Uh, I read this on the internet and it's, uh, so it, it equates to $219,000 per game. Per game. 
like blows my mind. Um, and then, and the, the second one here, this $330 million one, the, the big number, and then the six zeros, $156,000 per game. And uh, what's interesting about that one is there is a clause in there that it's, it's not deferred. Uh, so this guy, the, the top one, that money can be paid out even after he retires. So when he's 60, he'll be still getting paid from this. And uh, so as a result, due to inflation, it's kind of a good deal for the owners because, you know, what's a couple million bucks now will not be worth the same uh, when this gentleman is 60. The, the bottom one, that's 13, that's, that's 330 million in 13 years guaranteed during that time. Uh, can't do anything about it. Can't, um, and then there's some bonuses and, and things in there too. And so it, and it got me thinking about this as I was, I was hearing about this and, and, so, and thinking about this passage for today. And it, and, and I know that some of us who look at that and Megan and I were talking about it last night. And it's like, how is it that we can spend that much money on, on baseball, <laughs> you know, or other things? And I, I mean, I love baseball. I'm, I, I played it growing up. I think it's, it's fun. But it, what, it, what I saw in this is that I thought it was interesting that we'll do anything to, like to earn, right? And and it really kind of exposes the human's need to to earn and to want and to and to go bigger and better. And 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 in some ways this is really good, but in some ways also this can be highly detrimental. And it also exposes that you know kind of in light of of uh, you know I mentioned Deuteronomy ten earlier. Um, and as we think about this passage in Ephesians, and, and so Paul is, is writing to some people, and if you remember, we have that, that temple of Artemis, um, which was both the, the cultural epicenter of, of, uh, of cult worship and also the financial center of Asia Minor uh, during the height of the Roman Empire. And so do you think that there are some people that are hearing Paul's words that are maybe a little bit into earning, that are a little bit into outbidding and outdoing, whether it's those around them or even themselves. You know, some of us, we don't care what other people think, but we need to, we need to do the best that we can so that we can be okay with ourselves and anything less and, and we get all disjointed and we kind of come from together. Do you think that there could have been a little bit of that going on here? Maybe just a little bit. And so Paul, Paul comes from a, from a tradition that would have been rich. And, and if you'd, if they'd read the Old Testament scriptures, they, they'd see over and over and over again that it was, you know, God that did these things, God that did these things. And then Deuteronomy 10 lays it out really explicitly where God's just like, look, it isn't anything that you did. It's just me. It's me and my character, my chesed, my loyal love, this undeserved kindness toward my people that I can't help but do this too. I can't help but bless you. I can't help but extend this grace to you. And, and so, so Paul, when he's writing, he's writing this, this letter to the church in Ephesus. He's, he's hanging out in prison in Rome and he's, he's trying to encourage this, this church that's blossoming, that's growing, that's booming. And, and there's, so there's all these new people that are showing up and he's like, I need you to get the basics. I need you to just understand this. And he's, he's cruising. Like if you sit down and, and if you were to take, I think it takes like 30 minutes to just read through all of Ephesians in one sitting. If you were to do that, I mean, he's just flying through like what we did with Matthew or with the casket empty. I mean, he's just clipping along. And it's, and it's this great reminder. And it got me thinking, like, why is Paul, like, why is he writing this? Why is he reminding us of this? And it's like, well, it's easy because we're, you know, we talked about this last week. We're kind of a stubborn and forgetful people, aren't we? Like, we 
have this tendency to, to know something, remember something that's really good. And then a couple months later, we're like, what was that thing that totally changed my life? I don't remember anymore, right? And we're, and we're just, and we continue to revert back. And so we want to do it all on our own. And what ends up happening is we try to do that spiritually. We try to do that with our faith. We want to do it all on our own. You don't have to flip there, but if you'd like to, uh, we, we talked about this story a few weeks ago. I want to go back to Luke 7, verses 46 uh, through 50. And just to kind of highlight what's going on here. And so... So Paul is writing, and, he, and, he, and, and we see this kind of duality in our life where, where we're trying to earn what's already been given to us, or we can accept what's been given to us and live out of that grace. And so Jesus is, is grace walking, right? And, and he's, he goes to this dinner party, and he goes to, to of this, this guy named Simon. And Simon is a religious leader, you know, be like coming over to my house or whatever else, or some sort of pastor folk. And, uh, and Jesus sits down. And, and Simon doesn't even give him the time of day. Like, and it would have been customary at that time. Like, if you come over to my house in the wintertime, what, what, what should I do? I should tell you where to put your boots. I should, I should take your coat, and I should either tell you where to hang it up, or I should take it myself, and I should, I should hang it up somewhere. And then I should probably do something like offer you a glass of water, or at least tell you where the water glasses are and whether or not we have a, a filter or, or the tap is good, right? I mean, is this, this, this is pretty common most if you have people over. Okay, so in, in, in Simon's day, in Jesus' day, they would have, you know, maybe a little bit of oil because you're outside. Like, I don't know if you've ever, like, walked outside when it's really hot outside um, for long periods of time. You get to be kind of stinky, at least I do because I'm a sweaty kid. And so it would have maybe a little bit of oil, and then, and maybe a, a basin of water to, to rinse off your feet because you've been walking in the street. And I don't know about you, but if you walked and worked in the barn and then you walked into my house, I'd want you to take your shoes off or at least rinse the feet a little bit so we're not tracking that through the house, right? Um, because we're, we're all going to be sitting around eating soon. And so some of it, there was, there was this hospitality piece. And, and so Simon doesn't even give that to Jesus. And in the course of the meal, this, this woman shows up. And, and she was a pretty known sinner. She, like, her, her, ver- her occupation was one that, it was pretty blatant that this was not good. Nobody in any society thought, oh, that's a morally acceptable way to make a living. But it was a way to make a living. And people tolerated it. And, and so she comes in and she's undone. She's had this encounter with Jesus. And she's so broken by her sin and she's so undone that she's weeping and sobbing uncontrollably to the point where she can use her tears to wet and wash Jesus' feet. And so we read, we read this, this interaction where Jesus is speaking to Simon. He says, You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she has loved much. But he who has forgiven little, loves little. And then he said to the, to the woman, to her, he says, your sins are forgiven. And then those who were at the table with him began to say among themselves, who is this that even who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. And so we see this, this duality. We see this, these two ways of thinking that Paul is addressing. 
and we see that it's not, you know, it'd be easy when we, we, we read about the, the MLB and we think, oh man, we live in such a jacked up world. Can you believe it? Almost a billion, half a billion dollars to hit a ball. And, it, and it's easy to, to, to separate that and to say, oh, I can't believe that those people over there do that thing. I would never do that. And it's easy to think, oh, it's our broken, jacked up society. I can't just, you know, like, I, I want to just, I can't wait for it to, to all be over. What are we, what are we going to do? We're all doomed. But this is, this is central to humanity. This has been going on for thousands and thousands of years. And this isn't just limited to those who have extreme amounts of wealth. Whether you're wealthy, whether you're poor, whether you work hard, or whether you're lazy, this is intrinsic to who you are. We'll always have this deep-seated need both for salvation and then also for a desire to earn it. And so Paul is trying to get through to the people, trying to remind these believers that there isn't anything that you can do to make God love you more, and there isn't anything that you can do that can take forgiveness off the table. And so in Jesus, so I just want to look at this dialogue real quick. We have, we have Simon on the one side, and Simon says, I, I want to earn it. I've got these various badges. I've got this pedigree. I worked hard. I want this to justify who I am. I memorized the Torah by the time I was five. That's the first five books of the Old Testament. Or maybe it was by their ten. I can't remember. But young. Like, I don't even think I could read by the time those guys had the whole thing memorized. You know, he works hard. He, he you know, just practices every single... There's like 600-some laws in Leviticus. Not only did he know them all, he did them all. Didn't break a single one of them. And so he's looking at and, you know, the Sabbath. Like, didn't walk that far. Didn't, you know, I mean, just all these things. Followed all the rules. He says, you know, check it out. You know, I, I went to the right college. I did the right thing. I got the right job. I listened to the right music. I go to the right stores. I buy the right food. I hang out with the right people. I give the right amount of money to the right organizations. Right, Jesus? Isn't that, isn't that what I'm supposed to do? I want to earn it. And on the other side, you've got this woman who comes in and she's like, I've sinned. I loved others to sin. My whole life is a mess. But I have faith in You, Lord. You can save me. Only You can forgive me. Simon is interested in self-righteousness. The woman is interested in Christ's righteousness. Simon exposes two major blunders in the human heart. One is that we think, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm mostly good and I just need a little bit of help. The other is, is that we recognize that, oh, you know, like I'm, I do some bad things and I, and, and I, I just, you know, I, I just need just some minor correction. You know, both of it is, is, it's small God syndrome. We think we're, we're mostly good or we're, or we have a little bit of bad and we just, we just need a little bit of correction. We think that we're just these naughty little children that just need a little bit of correction, a little bit of help, and then we'll grow up and we'll be just fine. And then God can leave us alone. Because we've earned it. We've arrived. We don't need Him. And we don't see the radical need for grace. This is reading, I was, I was reading, uh, I love how this one guy said it. He said, Grace is God's uncoerced initiative. 
toward his people. I love that. Uncoerced. So in the world of of inflated contracts, in the worlds of trying to earn it, in the world of trying to buy one another out, we have God's uncoerced initiative. Can't be bought, can't be bribed, can't be strong-armed. God is sufficient in and of himself and loves us, not because he needs to, but because he wants to. And by his character, he can't help but pursue and redeem his people. And so, what, what is it that as we read Paul, as we read his words in Ephesians, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing, it is a gift from God. Not as a result of works, so that no one can boast. What do we need to know from that? God did it. Did I, did I have anything to do with it? My own salvation? No. I didn't make me, I can't save me. Do I, as a pastor, have, have any control over your salvation? Can I, can, I, can I say a magic prayer or do anything that, to intercede on your behalf? No, I didn't, I didn't make me, I didn't make you, so I, I can't save me, I, I can't save us. Jesus alone can do that. And so why is this important? Well, it informs us about who God is and about how Christ has freed us. Central to God's character is, is this love, this, this compassion, and, and, and this movement toward the other, this movement toward his people. When they were far off, brings them near. When they were lost, when they were sojourners, gives them a home. And so if we don't understand this, what happens? Well, we become like Simon, right? We try to earn it. You know, so how how this has looked in my life in the past is, you know, hey, I'm I'm, I'm like I remember in college, it's like, hey, I'm I'm going to Bible college, I'm trying to do the right things, like this is this is where I'm going, right? And so it's kind of clipping along life, just thinking, okay, I'm thinking the right thoughts, I'm trying to do the right things. Like this should be enough, right? But what happens when when things go awry? What happens when you totally blow it? What happens when, when everything kind of falls apart? Do you, do you start over again? Or do you lean into God's grace? Because we have the choice to either continue to try to earn it, continue to try to do it on our own, or we can walk in grace. Because here's the thing, folks, is that Christ has freed us. We have all, a few weeks ago, we talked about how we were all dead in our trespasses, dead in our sins. We've been locked in the cell of our sin, and Jesus blows the doors open and invites us to come out. And for those of us who try to continue to earn it, it's like sitting in a jail cell with a door open saying, no, it's cool, I want to earn my freedom, even though it's right here. And so what's available to us is the, the ability to walk out of that and to walk out of sin we've been freed from sin so that we are now to walk in and with Christ and so what are we to do in this 
What are we to do with this grace that has been given to us? Because we know that we're not supposed to boast about it. And, and we don't, so what is it like? So God, who is rich in mercy, has, has extended this grace to us, this uncoerced initiative. There's three things I want to talk about. We're going to accept it. We're going to grant it. And we're going to boast in it. So three things we do with grace is accept it, grant it, and boast in it. So we have freedom from sin, which is freedom to Christ. Can't earn it, but effort is required. I think sometimes we get a little bit tripped up. We read this verse and we think, oh, I, like, I, I got salvation. Like I asked for forgiveness. It's cool. I'm just going to throw it on autopilot for a while and just try to be a good person as best as I can. I think I cited Oswald Chambers last week when I talked about uh, common sense plus Christian emotion. You know, that's kind of a, sometimes we operate in that, right? I'm just like, oh, I'm going to try to do what's like basically good and I'll be kind of sensitive to the Spirit and if I feel something well up within me, I'll go do that. But we're to be marked by faith, not by blessing. So we need to seek His face and not His hand. So often we come to the cross so that we can get freed from sin, so that we can be delivered from what's going on within us in hopes that maybe the Lord will bless us or at minimum just leave us alone. However, that's not the Gospel. The Gospel is that we have faith in Christ and as a result, we praise Him. And the good news is, as we've said before, that same power that was within the Lord to resurrect Him is is alive and well with us. And we walk in the truth that we have been accepted by God. We've been called by God. Heirs to His throne. What we said? Adopted and sealed. And so if we're in it for, for improvement, we're back to earning it and we're just cloaking it really well. We're just disguising a way of earning God's favor. We need to walk in this grace. To walk in Christ. To become like Him. And so, this also means that we, we need to grant it. This time tomorrow, you'll be, you'll be around friends or maybe family, co-workers, you'll have bosses, teachers. Maybe you'll be online You'll be in front of the TV. What is it going to look like to walk in grace in that? What is it going to look like to to take the the same grace that Jesus has extended to us and extend that to other people? Because I remember that I was really good for a long time of of accepting grace and saying that, yeah, and and banking on, look, the Lord has has acknowledged my dignity. There's this, this intrinsic dignity within me. And forgetting about my own depravity and forgetting about the, the dignity in others and seeing only their depravity. So we can't continue to walk in Christ and also walk around pissed off at a coworker and not doing anything to change it. Not doing anything to work on our own heart and our own soul. So when we look around those friends, families, coworkers, bosses, teachers, people in our midst, God's grace is sufficient for them as well. And they carry with them both intrinsic depravity and intrinsic dignity. And they're worthy of service and there's hope for them. And that hope is only found 
in Christ. And so what are we doing to live that out and to show that to them and to bring them in step with Christ? Jesus is grace walking on earth. How are we also living out that grace and walking as Christ? This begs the question, do others see Christ in us? And then, th- So we, we accept it, we grant it, and we boast in it. You know, we're uh, upper Midwesterners, and so we don't really want to boast on much. That's what social media is for. Just post a picture. It's not boasting because it's abstract and it's out there, right? Like, you know, we just, we'll just, just a little humble. Oh, I'm just going to throw that on Instagram and just walk away. Hashtag blessed, you know, whatever else. Move on with life. But to, but Psalm 107 says that, that, uh, um, let the redeemed of the Lord say that it is so. And so we can't boast in us, but we can boast in what God is doing. People love stories of transformation. You ever go to a movie? Like what like what sells big movies? What sells like big time at the box office? It's always stories of transformation where the character does something that changes who they are, that they're on one trajectory and they're changing and they go another way. And they become this greater version of themselves. People love stories of transformation. So tell people about what, what, what's going on in your life. Not about what you've done, but what God has done in your life. And if you, uh, you want some homework for the week, think about how is Christ being formed in your life? Just think, you know, the last, last few weeks, last few months, how is Christ being formed in your life? And then also, think of two people that you can you could say to them this is where i see christ being formed in your life we we spoke last week about these but god moments where we're we're on a certain trajectory but god and now we're on a new trajectory look for those moments in those around you and then acknowledge those moments so what would it look like if we became a people that that acknowledged that dignity within one another and and acknowledge the way that the Holy Spirit is working in us and in those around us and changing us. Because at the end of the day, who who can change us? I can say some inspiring words. You can read some inspiring quotes. You can be around some inspiring people. But at the end of the day, it's the Spirit who is ultimately going to transform and save our soul. It isn't anything that we can do. It isn't we can we can get on programs. So I mean, like you can you can come to church every Sunday. You can go to a communitas group twice a month. You can you can serve once a month. You can get out and you can participate in all these things. And that isn't ultimately going to change you. You might say, well, why do we do it then? Well, because it it sets up the opportunity for the Spirit to speak to you, to get into some habits and to get into a rhythm where the Lord can work. Because those in and of themselves are not salvific. They will not save us. They will not transform us. But through them, the Spirit can work to take a dead person and bring them back to life. To take someone who is far off to bring them near. To take sojourners and aliens and those who are opposed to the kingdom of God and call them heirs and children of obedience. 
So how do we how do we see sin? And how do we see ourselves? Are we naughty little children that just need a little bit of correction, like Simon? Or do we see ourselves as the woman knowing that without interf- without the Lord, we're dead to rights and we're undone? And then how do we see grace? Is it something which can be manipul- manipulated? Or is it something that came at a price? And then what is our faith? Is our faith in our own ability to change ourselves? Or is our faith in the resurrection of Jesus? Knowing that that same resurrection power is alive and well in those of us who walk with Christ. So do we, do we believe in, in Jesus? And not the made-up version that we like to see, but actually the Jesus of Scripture who calls us to take up the cross. Not to earn salvation, but to join in what He's doing. Because we can't earn it, though our effort is required. And so the three things to remember today is God did it. God did it. God did it. And when we're we're given grace, we need to accept it. We need to grant it. And we need to boast in it. And so, you know, we remember when we hear God's voice, we remember, we remind, and we rejoice. Let's remember that God did it. Remind others that God did it. And rejoice in the fact that God did it. Pray with me. Lord, it is by your great grace, your uncoerced initiative, that we have been saved through faith. Not through a prayer, not through our actions, not through our doing, because of your grace and our acceptance of it. This isn't anything that we did, but it is a gift of you. And Lord, let us not boast in it, but boast of you and sing your praise. Baseball players' knees can go out. Batting averages can slump. Money can run out. And, uh, and hope can be lost. But when your faith is in Christ, hope never runs out. Grace is never off the table. There is nothing that we can do that is so great that we could earn more of God's favor, and there is nothing we could do that is so wrong that He would take His hand from us. May we accept that grace. May we grant that grace to those around us and may we boast of that grace as we go about our week this week. And so may the Holy Spirit continue to speak to us, to convict us of our sins, confirm in us the grace in which we walk, that we better convey this gospel, this hope, this message to a world who is so desperately in need of Christ's redemption and the hope that His grace provides.
Have a great week. Join us in the back for some simple carbohydrates, caffeinated beverages, conversation time. Go in peace.